the great transformer. His name is Jesus. For the next three weeks, we're going to be talking about him, introducing you to him. Many of you who may be new to this journey of faith or maybe you're window shopping Christianity, wondering what it's all about, I'm so glad that you're here. Whether you're a veteran of the faith or whether you're our our guest today at any of our locations. Hey, just so you know, if you are our guest, we just came through a wonderful season at Grace uh, where we talked about a 2020 vision. I just want to get, give a quick update on that before we dive into today's message, which I'm very, very excited about. Uh, First of all, we had 947 pledges made. Those represent, in many cases, couples or families who are pledging, and of course, in some cases, individuals who are pledging, 947. And uh, one of the pieces of really good news is that we certainly have far more pledged than we have ever had for any other campaign in the past, and that is exciting. I also want to say that while Debbie and I don't know what anyone has pledged, unless you happen to tell us uh, in a personal conversation, my sense, my sense, just looking at some of the general data, is that some of you have really made sacrificial gifts. And boy, I respect you for that. I commend you for it. You are all in. You are showing that, I believe, by your commitment. I want you to know that I honestly believe God is going to greatly honor that commitment that you've made. Thank you for those of you who have really really jumped all in in this 2020 vision. I think it's going to be one of the most exciting journeys we've ever taken together. Third, I want you to know that all four of our campuses were well represented. That's good news, and it was something that I was actually a a little concerned about, wondering about. In other words, no campus took the opportunity to say, you know what, we're just going to sit this one out. No, the data seems to indicate that, you know, every campus is very well represented. And I especially, right now, just want to commend Greenbush and Saratoga for that. You were well represented in this campaign. And I think that is special because it took extra selflessness on your part because you're not going to see the physical changes like Half Moon and Latham will. And yet you said, you know what? We're all in this together. It's a kingdom thing, and you jumped all in. I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for that, Saratoga and Greenbush. Now, we anticipate that pledges will trickle in for a couple more weeks at least, and in the future we'll give uh, our new folks who've just become a part of Grace opportunity to participate as well. But I now want to report to you our current pledges to date. You may recall we had four goals. You remember that? We had a bronze, which was 2.5 million. We had a silver, 5.3. We had a gold level, which was 7 million. And then we had, of course, that ultimate really stretch goal, the platinum goal of 10.3, okay? We need to praise God, I believe. Currently, currently, our pledges are a little bit beyond that silver level. Our, currently, our pledges are $5,464,343. Can we just give God praise? Thank you. Let's give God praise for that. It's awesome. That is 
that is really, really very, not only respectable, but again, let me say, with 947 pledges being made, that represents incredible sacrifice on the part of many people. Now, immediately, immediately, of course, you're wondering, well, what does that mean for our Schenectady County campus? So let's just put it in perspective. Obviously, by the numbers, that does not provide for the Schenectady County campus, which I sense there's tremendous enthusiasm about, and I know I certainly share that enthusiasm. But here's what I would say to you. Don't let that deflate you, and please don't be dejected by that. I've found that we serve a God who's not only sovereign, but he has a way of making a way where there is no apparent way. Do you know what I mean? Have you seen it happen in your own life? Boy, we have over and over again, not just in our church life, but in our family life. And so uh, I'm going to keep praying and believing because this I know about our Lord. He loves people. Jesus died for people. And I know that the 155,000 inhabitants of Schenectady County, they're on God's heart. He loves them. And so let's keep praying that God will provide a way. We don't know how that will happen. He can move on the heart of some person that would provide a gracious gift of land or building. There's all kinds of ways God could do that, but let's keep praying for him to bring about his purposes and in his time. Now, finally, let me just say again how proud I am of all of you who've taken this 2020 challenge so seriously. Thank you. I believe it's gonna be one of the greatest journeys we've ever taken. You say, now, Pastor, and here's my final word on this. Pastor, but when do we start? When do, we, when do we actually start giving toward our pledge? Great question. Many of you have already started, and that's awesome. Uh, Debbie and I are going to take next weekend as sort of our first fruits weekend, if you will, as we're going to begin to give toward the pledge we've made. Now, I would encourage you to think about that if you've not already. You can start any time and any rate, whether it's weekly, monthly, whatever you chose to do. That's between you and God. But we're going to choose next weekend, and I would encourage all of our locations to do that as sort of a first fruits weekend where we just say, this is where we start uh, honoring the pledge that we've made. And God bless you as you do that. I am very excited about this journey God has us on. From sickness to health. You know, we don't even know her name, really. But we can never forget her story. She was a dear woman, an amazing woman who had suffered for 12 years from what Scripture calls an incurable disease. She was hemorrhaging, and that had all kinds of implications for her life. We also know from the Bible that she had seen many doctors for many years, but instead of getting better, she only got worse. Some of you know a bit of what that can feel like as well as you've battled various diseases, maladies, conditions in your life. But then she heard about this man. She heard about a healer from Nazareth. He'd done much of his work in the area of Galilee and she'd heard that just recently he had stilled a raging storm and said, peace be still. And it was totally calm. She had heard that there was a man possessed by some evil force, demons. 
And Jesus had cast those demons out, and the man was clothed and in his right mind. And she wondered, I wonder if he could do anything for me. Quite frankly, she was desperate. So she dared to venture out of her home, although that was risky in her condition, as we'll find later. And she got excited when she saw this man in the distance. But her hopes were dashed because around him was a throng of people. There's no way she could ever edge her way in. But she said, I've got to try. And by faith, she kept inching closer and closer, and her faith swelled with every step until finally she knifed her shoulder in between two burly fishermen and just touched the hem, just touched the edge of his garment and grasped it by faith for a moment. And she knew immediately, immediately she knew that something had happened in her body. No longer was there this perpetual sense of pain. It was replaced by a sense of inner healing and wholeness. But then Jesus said, who touched me? (laughs) The disciples thought that was a little humorous. There were people jostling him all around, and Lord, you say, who touched me? But Jesus knew that power had gone from him, and he lovingly gazed at the crowd one by one until finally this woman, realizing she could not keep it secret, came and fell down before him and told him everything that would happen. And she confessed that she was healed, changed, new. What a story. And Jesus told her to go in peace and to be done with this life of of suffering. And I believe that she did because when you meet the great physician, trust me, when you meet the great physician, your life will never be the same. What an incredible story this is. And I want you to know that the same Jesus that touched this woman so many years ago is here right now. And he's the same yesterday and today, yes, and forever. I don't know what your challenge may be, but as we now look at her story and some of the lessons that we can learn from it, here's what I invite you to do. I invite you to see if God would just let faith swell up in your own heart and soul. And as Jesus passes by today, I urge you to reach out and by faith, touch him, touch the Lord. We're going to provide an opportunity at the end for you to pray. And I believe that God desires to do something awesome in the lives of many, many people right now who just like this woman are desperate and you need deliverance for the need in your life. But beware, your greatest need may not be exactly what you think it is. So let's go on this journey together. I want you to notice several things about this woman. First of all, she's so alone, but Jesus notices her. Jesus notices her. Mother Teresa was famous for saying that loneliness is the greatest poverty of all. And I think there's a lot of truth in that. Loneliness is a malady of people in our society. 
our cyber connections haven't solved it. The fact that population is growing around the planet hasn't solved our loneliness problem and our connection problem. The fact that many say we're more connected than ever and the world is growing smaller, guess what? It still hasn't solved our loneliness problem. You know what? You can be in a big crowd and still be lonely. Have you ever been there? Maybe you're at a party and there was noise and people and conversation and laughter all around, but you just had a cosmic loneliness sweep over you. I know one thing, loneliness is a great poverty in our day. And this woman uh, was all alone, but Jesus knew what she was going through. And here's the first piece of fabulous good news I want you to hear. God knows exactly what's going on in your life and heart. I don't know if that scares you or encourages you, but that's the truth. Maybe you've come in today at one of our campuses and maybe you don't even know exactly why you're here. You just felt drawn. You felt compelled. And like this woman, you knew, I need something here. Maybe God has brought you here because this is your day to have an encounter with Almighty God. Now let me paint a picture of how bad it was for her, the woman in our story. This issue as a Jewish woman, would be one of the worst things you could have because it meant that she was sort of ritually unclean. That was a condition where she was supposed to kind of personally quarantine herself. Think about this. She wasn't even supposed to touch her husband. Imagine. If she touched a family member, a friend, it would mean that they would be unclean for a matter of days. Even if she cooked a meal, the meal would be considered unclean. Furthermore, she was cut off from her social network because she couldn't even enter the temple because she was in this condition. No wonder she felt alone. Desperation, financial, social, relational, spiritual. She was desperate and alone. So why did Jesus insist that she identify herself? Why did he say, who touched me, and wait for someone to respond? Short answer, it was for her good and his glory. Her good and his glory. She needed to acknowledge this encounter, this relationship that had happened. And God certainly deserved the glory for what he had done. Luke's gospel account says in Luke chapter 8, then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed. See, she wanted to go unnoticed. (laughs) She wanted to remain in this kind of isolated state because it had grown to be a little bit comfortable for her. She was afraid of maybe reaching out of it. But when she saw she could not, she came trembling at his feet. You know what I've noticed through the years as a pastor? I find this very interesting. Some people want to come to the Lord, but they want to come unnoticed. Have you noticed that? They want deliverance. They want forgiveness of sin and the peace that that brings, but but they want to kind of be a secret disciple. They don't want the family to know because they're afraid they would be upset. This doesn't really fit our tradition. 
It's never happened to anyone before. Are you trying to be different than the rest? Are you better than the rest of us? Oh, closer to God, huh? They don't want their peers and coworkers to know because you know the, the culture war is heating up and they might be ostracized or might not be treated the same. And they don't want church leaders sometimes to know because they're afraid they might be recruited to serve somewhere, for goodness sakes. And so many people kind of want to keep their private healing. Have you noticed? But here's the problem with all that. Jesus won't let us keep our private healing for very long. Jesus said in Luke 9, 26, if anyone's ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his glory and in the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. Jesus wanted to be sure that her faith was in him and not in his robe. I hope we're clear on that too, brothers and sisters. Our faith is not in a church building or an institution. I hope we all understand that. Our faith is not in a statue or a picture or a human person. Our faith is in Jesus Christ. He is the great transformer. He's the one that deserves all the credit. Mark 5 reads, Immediately her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. So let's mark this. The power comes from Jesus alone. He is the great transformer. And if you, like this woman, feel all alone and ostracized and left out, I just want you to know before we quickly move on, Jesus knows exactly where you are. And he loves you right where you are no matter what you've done or what you're dealing with. Secondly, I want you to see that this woman is so discouraged, but Jesus encourages her. Now, as a pastor, I meet and talk to and interact with a lot of people. You would probably imagine that, right? You would expect that. And I'll tell you, one of the things God has put in my heart is a genuine and deep, and I mean deep love for people. I can't even explain it, honestly, but the older I get, the longer I walk with Christ, the more I love people. I just love them. And I, I so have a passion to want to see the best for people. But can I tell you something I've discovered about people? 95% of the, the people I've ever known desperately need encouragement. 95%. I'm telling you, Satan's got a lot of tools, but discouragement is the sharpest tool in Satan's toolkit. And some of you sitting, listening right now are deeply discouraged if we could have a moment of candor. You've wondered, is there any point? Is there any purpose in life? You've been let down by people close to you. You've been so discouraged, some of you have even wondered if you can go on. I want you to know today that not only does Jesus know where you are, Jesus loves you just as you are, and he wants to bring encouragement into your life today. How did Jesus encourage this woman? One of the things that struck me as I studied this passage in the Greek text this week is that Jesus used a word, we call it in Greek, ahapex legomena. <laughs> That's a big fancy phrase that simply means 
It's the only time Jesus ever used this particular word. He called her daughter. Do you notice? It was a term of affection, a term of endearment, but it also suggested that her faith was a saving faith. It was more than a superstition. You know, some people in our culture believe that what you and I are into is just silly superstition. Did you know that? This suggests that, listen, this is way more than just some superficial superstition. Jesus was suggesting by that unique word, daughter, that he never used any other occasion of anyone else. He was suggesting your faith has not only healed you, your faith has brought you into a relationship with God. I love that about our Lord. I love the fact that he calls you and me his sons and daughters when we give our lives to him. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18 puts it like this. I will be a, this is God speaking, I will be a father to you and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Boy, do you need encouragement? That should be an encouraging word to you today. God knows where you are. He loves you just where you are and like you are. But he loves you too much to leave you in your discouraged state. He wants to come into your life. He wants to transform you. And he wants to call you a son or daughter of his. Third, I want you to see about this dear woman that Jesus encountered that she was so overwhelmed, but Jesus gives her peace. Peace. Most people I know feel a little overwhelmed at times. Would you agree? I mean, circumstantially, life does that to us, right? It kind of gives us a kick in the teeth. Something happens, the car breaks down, we have a financial reversal, our health, we get a bad report about our health or something like that. A relationship goes sideways, we have a bad situation going on at work, and we, we can easily situationally feel overwhelmed. But this woman, it was an everyday thing. She had such a burden with this Discharge of blood, it would have caused anemia and fatigue on a daily basis. And to get out in a crowd like this really took courage. I mean, what if she fainted? That would be a normal physiological reaction to what was going on in her body and had been going on for so long. And not to mention the fact that according to the Levitical law, As I mentioned previously, she was unclean. So if she were discovered, if other people knew about this situation, she would have been immediately judged by people. She was supposed to be in a self-imposed quarantine. She would have been judged and looked down on for going out in public. And everybody she encountered, everyone she touched, would have been considered ritually unclean for several days. But in spite of those barriers, even feeling overwhelmed, she reaches out to Jesus. Verse 32 of Mark 5 reads, but Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and trembling with fear. I kind of noted those words. Trembling with fear 
told him the whole truth. She recognizes the divine power in Jesus. She had just experienced it in her own body and soul. And so she fell trembling. That's like a natural response, I suppose, when we're in the presence of the divine. If you look throughout Scripture, one of the most common statements given when people are encountering the supernatural is, you know what it is? Fear not. You know why an angel or some divine being always told people that? Because they were fearing greatly. Just before this encounter, the previous day it seems, Jesus had calmed this raging storm and it says the disciples were filled with great fear. The people in the area of Gadara, the Gerasenes, they were so afraid when Jesus subdued this wild man in the tombs who was possessed by demons, they were so afraid they asked him to leave. That's what the power of fear can do. But the good news is, fear is eventually driven out by faith, and the lasting result is an abiding peace. Could you use that in your life? Are you so fearful about all that's going on around you, about your future? You wonder if your past is going to catch up to you. You wonder if God can really forgive a person like you, and it causes you great fear and concern. God wants to meet you today and replace your fear with faith, and he wants to give you an abiding peace. I don't know about you, but that sounds to me like some pretty good news. And he can do that for you this very day because the same Jesus is here now, and he's eager and he's ready to encounter you and change your life and mine. Verse 34 reads, he said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. She's alone. She's discouraged. (laughs) She's overwhelmed. But fourthly, I want you to see, she is in such pain, but Jesus heals her. Now, I believe the healing was both outward and inward. And quite frankly, we need both. The Bible says in Psalm 34, 18, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. Can I say something to you right now? I hope you would agree with. Physical health is very important. Nod your head at me, please, and let me know you agree with that if you do. Physical health is very important. It's not a trick statement. It's not a question that's meant to obscure or trick anybody. I believe that. Physical health is very important. I work hard at it. I hope some of you do. I know you do. Some of you go to the gym regularly. Boy, you busted at the gym. You work hard. You sweat. You lift weights. Some of you, like me, take additional vitamins and and supplements and things. You want to be as healthy as you can be, and that is awesome. Let me say it again. Physical health is very important. We have many doctors, medical doctors. We have many nurses and many in the medical field in in our congregations. They would all agree, I think. Physical health is very important. Are you still with me? but it's not the most important thing. 
You can be healthy in body and sick, sick in your soul. It happens a lot. And I believe that the transformation that happened here was not only outward, bodily, I believe that Jesus came and healed this woman's soul. I think one of the problems in our society is that our physical health, we worry about it more than we do our spiritual health. That's just a fact of our culture. We worry more about how much we weigh, how we look, what we're eating than we do about eternity. And that is evidence of a society that has lost its compass. We don't know what is important, really important, anymore. Dr. Leroy Lawson tells the true story of a Mrs. Miller he knew, a woman who had just undergone surgery to remove a cancerous breast. She was taken to her room and found that her new roommate, she'd never met before, never seen before, her roommate was sobbing. What's the matter? What's wrong, she asked with a concerned look. The woman said, I've got cancer. Mrs. Miller said, so do I. Yes, but you don't understand. I had surgery to remove one breast, and now I've got lumps on the other side. So do I. But I think I'm going to die. Actually, so do I. And then this unknown woman said to Mrs. Miller, well, how can you lie there so blankety-blank peaceful? Ignoring the profanity, Mrs. Miller said with a smile, have you tried praying? The lady fumed, of course I've tried praying. Everything from Christian science to Buddhist to Baptist, it's all a bunch of crap. None of it works. Mrs. Miller was finding God giving her a love for this woman, crude as she was. Mrs. Miller said, have you prayed for more than healing? Have you prayed for Jesus to be with you through this valley in your life? He'll give you the strength and peace of mind. You only can believe that he will never forsake you. The woman began sobbing, and again, Mrs. Miller added, you see, ma'am, you think Your greatest need is to get rid of cancer. What you really need is Jesus. And can I say to you respectfully, some of you think your biggest need is to get rid of cancer, awful as it is, or to get a job, needed as it is, or to make a friend as treasured as he or she would be, But what you need most is a relationship with Jesus. And that's what this woman found. Now, as we come down home stretch and wrap up today, I just want to make three quick declarations because let me say it once more. Jesus is the same yesterday and today, yes, and forever. And although this story is ancient, 2,000 years ago roughly, it happened. I want you to know that this same Jesus is still in the business of healing and changing lives today, inside and out, and many of us, if we only had the chance, 
would love to tell you about what he's done for us. So let me make these declarations quickly as we wrap up. Three applications. First, Jesus did heal, believe in his power. This is just one story among many in the Bible that shows Jesus' transforming power. He is the great transformer. And there's ample evidence outside of Scripture that Jesus performed miraculous healings. So please, keep the facts straight. He did heal. Believe in it. Secondly, Jesus does heal. Ask for his help. I know several wonderful people in our congregation right now who are battling cancer or some other challenge, and every single one of them that I know is a faithful follower of Jesus Christ who has asked the Lord for healing and strength to get through this trial because they know he's a God of miracles. I love that. But can I tell you what I respect even more? Is that every single one of these individuals is more interested in holiness than in healing. They're more interested in God's glory than they are in their own good feelings. And they want God to get praise as they humbly ask him for help. And here's my final declaration. Jesus did heal, Jesus does heal. And I wanna say this emphatically, Jesus will heal, have faith, to the end. So, pastor, are you one of those who says God always has to heal us? You know, some people believe that, and if you don't get it, it's all your fault. It's a lack of faith. If we only had faith, we would always be healed every time. Well, if you follow that logic, boy, we'd have a lot of old people walking around, wouldn't we? <laughs> hey, you coming to Mabel's birthday party? We just bought 840 candles for her. Boy, she's a great woman of faith, let me tell you. They just don't die. They just don't die. No, don't be silly. Don't get sloppy, agape theology. What we do know is that it's appointed unto a person once to die. And all physical healing down here is only temporary. We are going to die if Jesus doesn't return in the meantime. So here's my point, and I want you to take this home with you. Real Christians just can't lose on this. So either he's going to heal you temporarily here, or he's going to make you perfect for eternity but you can't lose. God's gonna heal you one way or the other. Now, to a skeptic, they probably scoff and go, that's just a cop-out. That's just circular logic. But to a real Jesus follower, they know it's no such thing. That's hope. That's faith in a God that they've seen work powerfully over and over again. So here's my question for you as I close. Whether he chooses to heal you temporarily or permanently, are you going to give the praise to him? Can you say with the Apostle Paul, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain? Will you do the same? 
I'm not a hockey fan, folks. Sorry, I'm just not for all you hockey fans. No disrespect. I, I like some other sports a whole lot, especially this time of year. Uh, I, I've got some friends who are rabid hockey fans. And uh, I did go to see a fight one time and saw a hockey game break out. It, it was incredible. It was incredible. I, I had so much fun. <laughs> but there was a time years ago when I did watch some hockey games. I did. It was back in 1980. And I'll bet some of you watched some, even if you didn't like hockey back then. It was the Winter Olympics in Lake Placid. Remember that? And there was one particular game. The date was February 22nd, 1980. The U.S. was emerging from a troubled decade. It had been an ugly ending to the Vietnam War. Politically, Watergate was a spectacle. It was demoralizing to the people. Inflation was rampant. Unemployment. Gasoline was so expensive during some of those years of the 70s. There was an energy crisis. The Soviets had just invaded Afghanistan and rejuvenated the Cold War. But in the world of Olympics, the Soviet hockey team dominated. They were undefeated 21 straight games. They had won the last four gold medals in hockey in the Olympics and five out of the last six. Many people just considered them unbeatable. But what happened that day in Lake Placid helped lift America from a decade of gloom and despair. These Russian players were amateurs who played in professional leagues that the majority of the U.S. players were just out of college, true amateurs. I want you to watch what the world watched, just a 69-second clip as Al Michaels delivers one of the most famous lines in sports history. Watch this with me. Losing it to Silk. Now Petrov controls. Back to Parlamov. Skating in on the left side. Into the American end. 55 seconds. But Mikhailov has the puck. Mikhailov sweeping in. Out in front. Backhander goes wide. I think Craig might have got just a piece of it. Mikhailov. Back out to Billy Lebedev. 43 seconds remaining. Morrow. Checked into the boards, it comes back to center ice. 38, 37 seconds left in the game. Petrov with it, the Americans on top, four to three. Long shot, Craig able to get a piece of it to sweep it away. 28 seconds, the crowd going insane. Karlamov, shooting it into the American end again. Morrow is back there. Now Johnson, 19 seconds. Johnson over to Ramsey. Billy Lechinov gets checked by Ramsey. McClanahan is there. The puck is still loose. 11 seconds. You've got 10 seconds. The countdown going on right now. Morrow up to Silk. Five seconds left in the game. Do you believe in miracles? Yes! Unbelievable. And that's, that's my question. Yeah. Kind of exciting all these years later. That's my question for you today. Do you believe in miracles? That God can not only steal, steal a raging storm or cast demons out of a possessed person or heal a woman who's had a 12-year issue? Do you believe that he can touch your life today? Folks, I see it on a regular basis basis in this church. God can heal body. He can heal soul. We're going to leave the final call on that up to him. 
Our job is to simply reach out as he's passing by. And I invite you to do that right now. Would you bow your heads with me, please? At all of our locations, let's go to God in prayer. Father, we declare to you that we believe in miracles. Thank you that you're a God who cares the same yesterday, today, and forever. And you meet us at the point of our greatest need. And I simply want to ask for those that are alone, struggling, overwhelmed, discouraged, desperate, who really need a deliverance. By faith, as they reach out to you, would you, would you let your power do a work in their life right now? And let this be a moment that they would never, ever forget. Right now, as they reach out in faith, Lord, would you meet them at the point of their greatest need? Some of them think their greatest need is physical, but what they really need is a relationship with you. Would you show them that? Father, right now, let them believe in the greatest miracle of all, sins forgiven, adopted into your family, changed from the inside out. Thank you for your amazing love and that you are the great transformer. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.